Yo, this is our last service for the weekend. We're leaving it all on the field right now. God's got a word for each and every one of us in here. I believe that. And there's a reason you're here tonight in this place. He brought you here for this moment to speak something directly to you. He's bringing us together here in this place for a fresh word, for fresh revelation. He wants to say something to you today. Some of you, you're here for the first time in a long time. It's been a minute. It's been since Easter. And that's okay. We're glad you're here. Like there's some people, that's just the way of the church in America. There's some people, we pop in for Easter and we pop in for Christmas and we just get a little taste and a drink and we're like, all right, we're good for a few months. I'm gonna go do my own thing again. That was great. And that's okay. We are glad you're here. In fact, some of you, you're here right now and you, you came to hear the Christmas story. All right, here you go. Luke 2, 11 through 12. It's that time of year, okay? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. There you go. That's all I'm giving you. If you wanted the Christmas story, go home and read the rest for yourselves. That's all I'm giving you today because he's got something else for us. He's got a word for each and every one of us in here tonight. And, and I remember going to too many services as a kid that were wasted on stories that we'd heard time and time again that we heard every time we sat down for Christmas. Are we thankful? Am I thankful that the Messiah came? Yes. But I think too often we get really obsessed with the baby in the manger and Jesus on the cross. Because the baby in the manger doesn't tell us to do anything. He doesn't call us to change. He doesn't call us into new life. The baby in the manger is lying there quietly and peaceful. That's what we sing about, right? We love that. That baby in the manger, he's not telling us to do anything. He's not saying, go and sin no more. And then Jesus on the cross, we love that image of him. We do. It, it, it pains us. It hurts us. But when we see that, we know, man, everything I am, everything I've done, every sin, it, it's hung up on the cross, and he took that punishment for me, and I'm forgiven. And thank God for the empty tomb, because now I have hope in the resurrection. We love those two things. But what about in between? Because that's where we're going to spend a majority of our time here on this earth, in the in between. Between the moment you give your life to him and you say, I want that. I want that freedom. I want that forgiveness. I want all of that. I want that gift, right? We all want the gift. It's Christmas time. Who all wants a gift this weekend? Amen. You know, it's all right. Just some of you guys, you've been, you know, I want you to know here at Revival, you can interact with us. We want to have fun. You can help me preach. If you're like, man, that's good. Amen. Like God is moving in this room. We can interact here just so you know. This is a, we call it a hollow back church, all right? I stole that from somebody, a friend of mine. Okay. There's a gift for you tonight. There is. Ephesians 1, 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. If you've been united with him, that gift, every spiritual blessing, it belongs to you. It's yours. If you haven't made that decision yet, I want to tell you, 
You can do that tonight at the end of the service. If you want to do that, if you want to say, hey, he is Lord and Savior, I want that for my life, great, you can do that. You can be united with him. But I know a lot of you, you're here tonight, and at one point, you made that decision. Whether it was last week, five years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years ago, you've made that decision, and you need to hold on to this promise right here. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. That's why he came. We remember the baby in the manger, but it's more important to remember why he came and what he accomplished while he was here. Don't forget that. 1 Corinthians 15. Our church revival, we've been in this series all year. Some of you, you were wondering if I was going to finish before uh, 2023. Nope, I'm not, all right? But we're going to get close, okay? Chapter 15, verse 35. Here's where we're picking up tonight. The resurrection body. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. Paul just puts people in their place all the time. What a foolish question, all right? Somebody's like, hey, I just got a question. There are no stupid questions. Paul says, that's a stupid question, all right? Paul, he does say that there are stupid questions. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies, each and every one of us in here, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. Some of you tonight, you're here and you feel that brokenness. You feel that weakness in your life. Here's a promise that you can hold on to. You will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. You are planted as a seed. You know what a seed looks like, right? I should have brought a visual aid, but I didn't. You know, it's a seed is just plain and bare and kind of just not much to look at. But when you plant it, the seed dies, and what grows looks nothing like the seed. Paul's explaining that. This is a spiritual truth that we can take. What we're going to look like in heaven, our resurrected bodies, it's going to look nothing like what is planted, what we are walking around in right now. These are seeds. And some of you, you're like, I kind of like my seed. I look pretty good. Some of you are like, I'm done with this seed. Give me the new one, all right? I'm ready. God, please. It's going to be planted. And what is raised new? I mean, it is... When you think about the size of a seed and you think about the size of what can grow from it, if you think about an acorn compared to the, what do you call that, an acorn tree? Oak tree. 
Yeah, 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 okay, thank you. I was like, oh, here I am talking about plants. I'm not, an ex- I'm not a herbologist. Is that a thing? I don't know. All right? Think about that. The size of the seed compared to the enormity of the plant or the tree that comes from it. The resurrected bodies are going to be incredible. Here's how, here's how my mind works. I was reading this passage all week, and I, I just kept reading about seeds and seeds, and this idea of seeds kept coming to my mind. And I, I started to think, what is it like, like when you think about seeds, what, like, okay, here you go. What do birds eat? Seed, right? Maybe some other things too. But, you know, I, once again, I, I don't know anything about plants. I don't know anything about birds, but I've heard they eat seeds, all right? That's what people have told me, okay? I, I want to tell you tonight about the most demonic Christmas song there is. And you're going to be like, what? Okay, just hang with me here. Hang with me here, okay? Y'all know the 12 days of Christmas? Everybody know that one? Anybody want to just like start humming it for me? What what, what did they give him on the first day? What did he give that girl? Partridge in a pear tree. What came on the second day? Two turtle doves. All right, what came on the third day? It's a lot of birds, right? I mean, it's a lot of birds. If you start counting up the birds, do you know how many birds are mentioned in that song? How many birds he gives this girl? Anybody know? Anybody you're just really good at math? You're like, oh yeah, I know, I know that song. 23, oh yeah, you were there last night for church, all right. I see you, cheater. I was about to give you a prize, but, wow, that's a teacher back there too. I know you. (laughs) Oh, 23 birds. Now, if you listen to the song, to me, you know, you could say that on each day, he's giving all those things again, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, on the second day, he's giving the two turtle doves and another partridge in a pear tree. And so if you start adding that up, do you know how many birds that is then? What, teacher, what do you got? <laughs> 184 birds. That's a lot of birds. That's a terrible gift. There's this, there's, this, there's this old show, it's old now, called The Office. You ever seen The Office? This guy, they're doing like a secret Santa in The Office. And this guy is like giving this girl he has a crush on all the 12 days of Christmas. And she comes to work and she's all like cut up and like sliced up. And people are like, what's going on? And she's like, somebody's just giving me all these birds. Like, it's terrible. Like, she hates it. It's a terrible gift. Now let me tell you why that's the most demonic Christmas song there is. (laughs) You're like, where's he going with this? Mark chapter 4, all right? Let's go back back a little bit here in your New Testament. Mark chapter 4. Here's what Jesus has for us tonight in this parable. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. We'll jump in here. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. There it is again, seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Those dang birds. They came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly. Because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen 
and understand. Jesus helps them understand. Jump down there to verse 14. Here's his explanation for us. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan, that's the birds, all right? I told you, 12 days of Christmas, it's a demonic song, all right? All those birds, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear, those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as he had been planted. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy does. That's what the birds do. They come to steal, kill, and destroy. What do they want to steal? They want to steal the blessing. They want to steal what you have accepted freely from the Savior, from the Messiah. And so they come and they pick and they attack and they come after everything good. They come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came. That they may have life and have it abundantly. Some of you right here in this room... You don't feel like you have life abundantly right now. You don't. I'm telling you right now, you don't. Because you are living outside of the protection of God's house. You are living outside on your own, and you kind of wander back in every now and then, and you kind of just, you, you want to drink, you want to feel, you want to experience the Holy Spirit, and so you come back to the house every now and then, and you get a little taste of who he is and what he's done, and then you say, all right, that's good, I'm going back out on my own again, and you are living in disobedience outside of his house, outside of his protection. And that's where the thief comes, to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let those birds steal your blessings. Don't let them steal the blessings he has for you. Go to Ephesians 3. I want us to look at that whole passage there. Ephesians 3. Look at this with me. Look what Paul says about these blessings. Or Ephesians 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. This is our gift, freely given. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and gave him great pleasure. Some of you, you, you don't feel loved. You don't feel wanted. You don't feel desired. You are alone here tonight, but I want you to know you're not alone. 
You are wanted and accepted and invited into the house. This is where his blessings are. But you keep living outside of his house. You keep living on your own in this world. And the thief, the birds, they keep coming to steal what God has promised you. Don't let those birds steal the blessing. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. These are incredible blessings. When we are in the house, when we are in his word, when we are walking in obedience to what he has for us, he showers us with kindness and wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance. Once again, he just showers gifts on us. We have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us, he chose you. You don't feel it right now, you don't believe it right now, but you gotta start saying it, you gotta start speaking it so it'll become true to you. You gotta take ownership of it and believe he chose you. He loves you. He sent his son for you. You don't believe that, but you need to start speaking that into your life because the more you speak it, that's where the power of life and death resides in the power of the tongue. When you speak it, you begin to believe it. Every time I start to have doubts and fears and worries and anxieties come up, it's because I've been quiet and I've been letting the birds pick and pick and pick. Go ahead and shout at the birds. I'm giving you permission. Shout! Come on! I know you guys are looking at me like, this is crazy. This guy's wild. Yeah, I am. This is my last service for the weekend. I'm leaving it all here tonight. Okay? Shout! Don't let them steal what he has promised you. Don't let them take it. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from him. He chose us. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you don't believe that you're living life abundantly. You don't believe it's possible to live life abundantly. But the more you begin to sit in his presence, to begin to acknowledge he is with you and he is speaking and he still moves, to realize that you, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and he resides in you. You carry the righteousness of God. You carry the power of the resurrection within you. That will begin to change the way you look and view and walk through life. You'll begin to walk through knowing, knowing that you carry his presence everywhere you go. Know it and believe it and walk forward in it. You've been identified as his own and he's given you his Holy Spirit. You can walk in abundance through this world the more you begin to walk in submission and surrender to his voice in your life. 
some of you, you're still having a hard time believing it. I know because there's still moments that I have a hard time believing it. Because that's what the enemy does. He comes and he picks and he picks and he tries to take and steal and destroy what God has freely given you. He can't have it. He can't have it. You are his. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he paid for you on the cross. It's done. It's finished. That gift is yours. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did that so we would praise and glorify him. When we come into this room and you see people with lifted hands or you see people on their knees or you see people worshiping however they want to worship, that, that, that's great because guess what? It's not for them, it's for him. That's why we worship. It's not for them, it's for him. But when we give it all to him, I'm telling you, it will change you. It will change you from the inside out. The more you submit and surrender and give yourself to him, no matter how foolish it might feel, no matter how dumb you might look to your friends or your family that you invited here tonight, if you drop on your knees and you give him everything in praise and worship, if you give it all to him, it will change you and you'll begin to walk in that freedom and that abundance that Jesus promised. That's what he wants for you. Stop walking through life defeated and know that he's already won and he's given you the victory. He's given you the inheritance. He shared it with you and you are sealed by his Holy Spirit. You are sealed. You carry his presence. Mark 4. Let's go back now. Some of you, the birds look different in your life. The birds look different in everybody's life. I, I'll tell you, my birds, man, I, I, the birds that attack me most are pride. The birds that love to come after me are bitterness. And, and the birds that just love to try and, well, what they do, they don't just come and pick and try to attack when it's early on, when it's just seed that's been planted. Because that's what he's saying right there. They'll come back later on. Because if you go down a little bit here, Get to uh, verse 30 in chapter 4. This is Jesus still talking, still sharing parables. Here's what he says, verse 30. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. There he goes, talking about seeds again. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. I used to read that verse, and I thought, oh, that sounds like a good thing. You know, we can become these big trees and, and these nice little birds can come and make nests there in the shade. But that's in the context of what Jesus just said about the birds coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Some of us, we have been believers for 10, 20, 30 years. And he's growing us up in the faith. But some of us, we have let birds make nests in our life. They've made a home. The demons have made a home within us. And we hear that voice of fear constantly, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of worry. And they've made a nest and lodged themselves in our lives, and they've made a home there. He doesn't want you to walk through life anymore with the demons making a nest in your life. You can have freedom. You can walk forward free from these birds that keep trying to build a nest and a home in your life. He wants to give you deliverance from them. 
He wants to, what did he do? He came to set the captives free. And some of you, you really believe the lie the enemy has told you that you're always going to struggle with fill in the blank, whatever it is. Some of you, you believe that you're always going to struggle with lust. You're always going to struggle with pride. You're going to always struggle with greed or anger or bitterness. You believe that tonight. And you've settled with that tonight. And you've made peace with those birds in your life. And he wants to shake that tree and knock those nests free tonight. That's what he wants you to do. He wants to give you the best gift he can give you. Complete and total freedom as you walk through this world. You can walk through in abundance. You don't have to walk through a slave anymore. Let him shake you loose tonight. You still, you still don't believe it. You can choose. Like we can choose. Some of us, we've just chosen to hide the nest. We've just chosen to hide whatever the sin or whatever the, the coping mechanism is that we are struggling with. And I want you to know, what you hide cannot heal. If you leave it in hiding, it cannot heal. Hiding will keep it there for the rest of your life, and you'll live as a slave to it until you bring it out into the light. Confession and repentance will set you free. And some of you are like, nope, nope, not me, not me. I can't do that. I, people don't know. I can deal with this on my own. You don't have to deal with it on your own. When you bring it into the light, People come alongside you. They're not there to judge you. They're not there to condemn you. They're not there to throw stones at you. They're there to say, hey, I've struggled too. I'm still struggling. I'm still fighting. I'm still battling. But let me tell you something. We can fight this fight together, and we can walk in freedom and abundance together. We don't have to live in these chains anymore. Let them set you free tonight. Let it, Yeah, here we go. Now you're waking up. Some of you, you want it. Some of you really want it. Let him speak. Let him break that stony heart. Let him bring fresh wind and fresh fire into the temple again. Submit and surrender to him. Deuteronomy 30. We're going back to the Old Testament now. I love the Old Testament because Jesus, he did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. That's what he did. Chapter 30, verse 15 Here's what Moses said to the Egyptians who had lived in, not to the Egyptians, to the Israelites who had lived in slavery to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. Here's what he says to them. They've been set free and now he's given them God's word, a new way to live. Verse 15, chapter 30. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death. I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. These words, they were spoken prophetically Thousands of years ago, they're still true to God's people today. This is still for you. This is still for me. 
But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. You have a choice. This is for you. This is for me. We have a choice today to submit and surrender, to repent and confess, to turn back to him. Some of you, you've been living under the curse. You've chosen the curse for the last 5, 10, 20, 30 years. You've chosen to make peace with the birds and the nests that they've made in your life. And he's saying, no, 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 you have a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Today I give you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promises of Abraham are still for us today because we've been adopted into the family. They're still for us today. We have a choice. You don't have to live outside of the house anymore. You don't have to live under the curse anymore, but so many of us, we settle for the curse and we just say, this is normal, this is life, and we settle for it and we walk in it day after day, year after year, and it wears us down until finally we're just done and we wanna be out of here. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. The Lord swore to give your ancestors. We want God on our terms and our conditions. Even tonight, there are people in this room that came into this room and they said, this is great. I'm giving God, you know, a gift. You know, my presence is a gift to the Lord. He should just be thankful I'm here. Like, look at me, I'm great, you know? Like, this is awesome. No, 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 no. His ways, his law, his decrees, his church, being a part of the body, being in the house, it's a gift to us. It's a gift to us. It's not a burden. If it's a burden, you need to repent tonight and turn back to him Come before him and say, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you. Psalm 18:30, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Psalm 5, verse 12, for you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Psalm 32, verse 7, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. 
He's our protection. He's our shield. When we walk in obedience to him on his terms and not our own, we are in the house. We are protected. And we walk in blessing. We walk in life and not death or curses. We rebuke all that and we walk by faith and obedience in his word. That's what we get to do tonight. Worship team, I'm going to invite you up as we close out. And church, as the worship team, as they're singing this last song, I want to invite you in this moment. If you've been disobedient to him, if you've been hard-hearted towards him, if you've turned your back on him, if you've made this a duty and an obligation, in this moment, he wants to soften your heart and he wants to speak to you. Invite him in in this moment. He's here right now. He is present. Don't miss this moment to repent and turn back to him. In, in the old days, you know, churches would do an altar call. Revival, we're all about the old days because to me, that's what revival is. It's not trying to improve upon the word. It's not trying to, to add to it or take away from it to make it better, to make it more appealing. No, no, no. It's a return to what his word says and what he's called us to. We all want the gift. But most of us, we want it without repentance. We want it on our terms. We don't want to walk in obedience to his word. But if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That was what he said. You'll walk in obedience. And his way is not a burden. It's freedom. That's what he wants for you tonight. The law, walking in obedience to it is not a burden. There is freedom in it when you begin to walk and listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't miss out on this gift tonight. If you want to come forward, if you just want to have the moment to come and pray with someone, our prayer, our ministry team, they're going to be up front over here, over here on the side. I'm going to be up over here. If you just want to come and you just want to turn back to him, if you just want prayer, if you just want to ask him to forgive you and you want somebody to pray with you, we'll be here. And, and I'll tell you this. As the leader of this church, I, I know for me, I need to be the lead repenter. I've been disobedient this week. He's told me to do things and I said, no, I don't want to do that. Two days in a row, he told me to do something and I said, no, no. That's going to be weird. That's going to be strange. That's going to be uncomfortable if I go and have this conversation. I don't want to do that. I've been disobedient. And so now I, I just come here tonight and I, I tell you, I want to repent. I want to turn back to him. And I want to listen and submit and surrender to his voice. Because I don't want to miss out on the blessing. Because we have a choice here today. We, we get the choice. He doesn't force us. That's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to force anyone to follow him. He came to give us the choice again, just like Moses gave God's people the choice all the way back in Deuteronomy. He gives us the choice again. You can choose life or death. 
You can choose the blessing or the curse. You can choose to surrender. We're going to close out here in 1 Corinthians 15. This is the passage I read anytime I have to do a funeral. Because there's no avoiding that. Unless he comes back first, we're all going to face this moment someday. But this is what we put our hope into. This is why we walk in obedience to his voice. Because he's the only one that's come. No one else has offered a better way. No one else has come to bring salvation to people that did not deserve it. And he paid for it. Verse 45, the scriptures tell us the first Adam became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, the seed. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth. While Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Church, would you stand up as we finish out here? What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he came. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Choose today life. Choose today the blessing. Walk in obedience to him.